0: Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. Uh, We are still in our Reclaim series. Uh, Today we are talking about change and growth. And before we get started, the question I have for you all is, how would your childhood best friend describe you? That's a good, uh, good combo. Hope you all learned a little bit about uh, each other. I was telling Alexis, this is Alexis. Raise your hand. When she walked into church today in her velvet shirt, I was like, I had that exact shirt in fifth grade, and it was. I've, I've never felt so old, except for when I like. New, Like, had an p- item of clothing that went out of style and has come back in. <laughs> I'm like, a full, I've been around for a full fashion cycle, so. <laughs> Anyways, we are in our Reclaim series. We are still in the book of Luke, chapter 4, um, and here is we are where we are going today. Uh, this is Luke 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as uh, was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is in me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what you, uh, what we have heard you did in Capernaum, and I truly I will tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Dang. So, uh, here's what we have going on <coughs> in this passage. Um, to, to talk about it, I have to tell the story about Kanye West. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to get... I've, mixed reviews, right, Kanye <laughs> West? Half people were like, yeah, Everyone was like, ooh, yeah. So um, circa 2004, um, when I was wearing things that are in style now, um, Kanye West came out with an album called College Dropout. Some of you <laughs> may be familiar. Yes. Um, in my opinion, uh, one of the greatest, it's in my top five albums ever created. And so this album came out, this artist came out, and I remember thinking, listening to it, I was like, Ari, and I was like, how is someone saying everything I've ever wanted to hear like on one record? It's, a, it's an album to this day. You put it on at any point in the entire album and I will exact, I'll just pick up the words. I know every word to that thing. Um, I got a chance to see Kanye West in 2004 in a 200 person theater when that had just came out. I know. Perks of living in Denver, it was, like, wasn't like was cool, it wasn't sold out, he was wearing like a Louis Vuitton backpack the whole concert, <laughs> like a sweater with like, when he was still in that kind of scene, um, and I just remember thinking like, this is, this is the guy, this is my life's artist, and then, <sighs> he wasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> Some things transpired with, with Mr. West, and, you know, everyone's on a journey, and that's that's fine, um, but slowly throughout the years, I just remember thinking, like, yeah, I'm a little less on board with, with what you got going on here, um, and that's kind of what's happening in this passage. So, in the beginning, um, you have, it says, uh, he was preaching in their synagogues, and everybody praised him. Like, the, okay, the difference, let me just say before we're going to start, is Kanye started saying worse things, and Jesus started saying better things. But the response was uh, similar. So he, he starts his ministry, and, and everyone is praising him. And then he starts saying stuff like, I've come so that we can take care of the poor. People are like, hmm, I'm not as on board. Um, and the prisoners. And people are like, ah, getting a little radical, aren't you there, Jesus? Um and recover his sight to the blind, and do all these things, and um, what's fascinating, which Corey and I talked about, is he quotes this passage of Scripture in Isaiah, but leaves a part of it out. Uh, there is, in, in Isaiah, a part about vengeance that he leaves out, because he is not about vengeance, he's about restoration, and so he just takes the piece of the text that says we're going to care for the poor, the oppressed, the prisoners, and all these things. And the attitude in the room really shifts. It goes from everyone praised him to, um, aren't you Joseph's son, right? Something very specific starts to happen when Jesus takes this uh, spiritual gospel and turns it into a social gospel, right? Because it's evolving, it's growing, it's changing into something that is requiring movement and action, which is good, but something happens uh, in his hometown. Now remember, this is important to understand because we talk about Luke as the gospel that shows the journey, right? Luke is the gospel that shows uh, the journey, the change, uh, the maturation of Jesus, right? It has these stories of growth and development. And that gives us an insight to the fact that people who are here in Jesus' hometown listening to him knew Jesus before he was saying things like this. So what happens when it grows and changes and evolves outside of their comfort, the crowd starts to try to discount him. Well, aren't you Joseph's son, right? We're saying like, where'd you get your theology degree? We knew you before you were saying this. We want to create some um, doubt to discredit to sort of say things because you're saying things we're uncomfortable with and you're saying in your hometown and we know you and we know the real, we know where you're from, we know your family's drama, and why don't you just sit down, basically, to the point where Jesus is saying, at the end, no prophet, right, is welcome in their hometown, which is just pointing to a larger, more true issue, uh, a human condition. It's hard to change around people who knew you before you changed, right? I remember, like, um, I feel like I'm just using so many examples of feeling old. But I remember when, when Facebook was www.thefacebook.com. And um, it was just a way to find people from high school. You had one profile picture, and you could maybe write on people's walls, and that was it. And then it kept changing. Like I feel like for every, like every year, it would change. And then I would say stuff like, if Facebook changes one more time, I'm de- deleting my account. You know? still have it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's very ominous. Um, right, because there was something I was introduced to and I liked it and as humans when we come across something and we enjoy it or it becomes normalized or we become comfortable with it, the idea of it changing in any way is so uncomfortable that even if it's for the good, even if it's getting like faster, better, user interface, we don't care, we don't want it to change, we want it to stay the same. So Jesus is giving us insight to that in, in, in this scripture by saying, in your hometown is the hardest place to say something new, to change or grow and evolve, because people want you to stay the way they are comfortable with. And when people have seen you before you changed or grew, it's a lot harder to push this thing forward, Right? And as we talk about, um, last week we talked about healing, uh, this idea of, of bringing healing and wholeness and hope and peace and love into the world. And if we're going to heal, we're going to do it together. Um, and I think that that's, that's true here even still. Like Corey shared a quote from um, Sissy, who's going to be with us this morning, and sent us this beautiful text. Uh, she sent a, a follow-up text that said something like, um, <coughs> identity does not exist without community. Right. This idea that we are very much shaped by the people around us, our identity, where we come from, and we have aspects of that. Um, We have some wounds. We have some hard times. We have some things that we don't love that people can use to keep us in a place that they're more comfortable with, right? Well, aren't you Joseph's son? We all have that thing in our lives that as we try to grow, I want to give this up. I want to be better. I want to do this. I think, and then someone says, well, aren't you... Joseph's son, right? Don't you have family drama? Um, don't you, didn't you try that before and it didn't work, right? Fill in the blank. Um, I remember, like, the beginning of this month, I was like, I'm going to give up drinking for January. Um, <laughs> just nowhere near Jesus moving to a social gospel, but just um, track with me. Um, and I just remember, <laughs> like, thinking, like, um, someone was like, "Oh, like, it, I was going somewhere, and I was like, no, I'm not going to be drinking. And they were kind of like, ah." And I was like, oh, am I not fun without alcohol? <laughs> like, you know, and all of that, like, all of a sudden, like, all these insecurities came of, like, am I not fun without a drink? You know what I mean? Like, who am I? Like, what? Okay, fine, I'll drink. Oh, yeah, no, give me a, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> people are like, I'm comfortable with you when you're at my birthday party with a drink in your hand, and how quickly all of that came to flood a lot of insecurities in me that just kind of was like you wanted to grow and evolve and change into this like healthier person who didn't drink for a month but someone was like, well, aren't you, you know, not as fun? I was like, yeah, give me that. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Right? And so how do we become a community of people where we are able to, grow and, and set goals and, and evolve and change? Because it's good, right? What Jesus is saying was like, yes, we have this spiritual gospel, but it needs to move to a social gospel and that's good. It's evolving to a healthy and better place. So how do we have elements in, uh, of our own self where we are pushing to evolve and grow into a healthier place? And then second, how are we being a community of people around us who aren't saying, aren't you just Joseph's son, who are saying yes, The people in the synagogue will always be the people in the synagogue, but we want to be the people in Capernaum, right? Where Jesus goes next and they're saying, yes, show me. I believe you. Show up, right? When Jesus comes and says, I've I've come to heal the blind. Great. Here's a blind person, right? We want to be that kind of community. And Jesus goes on uh, later in the passage in in, in verse, I think, 43 to say, um, and he went on and and kept uh, bringing the good news anyway, right? He knew that this counter-narrative, this gospel, this good news was so important that he had to keep saying it anyways despite what was happening in his hometown, despite the people who wanted to discredit um, and bring up where he was from, the people who had seen him before he changed. He said, no, this thing is too important. I need to have people around me who believe in this counter-narrative, and I need to keep pursuing this counter-narrative. And as I'm reading this passage um, and thinking about our time together last week where we talked about healing, um, I just kept thinking how true it is and how hard it is. Even in communities who who believe in you, right? Jesus was in a synagogue, this is his hometown. But when you want to change, people make it so hard, right? Like, gosh, people who love you and care about you and and believe in you, but there's something in the human condition that says, can you just stay the way you were when I met you, because that's comfortable, even if it's dysfunctional, right, even if it's not your healthiest self, um, and how do we begin to break that in ourselves to say, oh gosh, even though it's uncomfortable for me, when you see change, even though I'm scared of what might happen, right, there's there's this weird thing that happened, I feel like, when I got married, that like, your your partner, like, it's like, I want to get yeah, I want to get in shape, and I'm like, "Okay, what well, if you get too hot?" And then you know what I mean? You're like, oh, "I'm too hot for you. You know what I mean? Like there's this weird. And I'm like, oh, I, like, I, I want you to be happy and healthy, but like, how hot are you going to get? And what's that do I? You know what I mean? She's already super hot, too hot, you know what I mean? Um, but even as, as someone who loves Sammy more than you know anyone, I think. She says things that she wants to do to become better and healthier and more whole. And my first instinct is, how is this going to affect me in my life? Um, Are you going to be getting up early? Like, less morning cuddles? Like, and, and, right, and I'm like, gosh, and I am a person who believes in her and cares about her and loves her, but I feel myself doing this, right? I feel myself, but like, but yes, you probably would be a more, like, whole person if you did this, but like, I want you to just like sleep in with me and then like rush out the door, you know, almost late, instead of get up and be gone for an hour and work out and feel good, right? That doesn't make any sense, but that's what I think and do because I'm a human and what Jesus is pointing to in this passage uh, is that no one can be a prophet in their hometown, people who see you a certain way, it's so hard to change. And so as as we go along this Reclaim series, There are a lot of things that a lot of us in this room are trying to pick back up. There are a lot of people in this room who have been very cynical about their faith for a long time, and it's hard to go back to friends who used to just sit around and talk shit about church for hours and be like, oh man, this morning I heard something I really wanted. It's like, "Uh, what? And you're just like, no, never mind, church is stupid, right? (laughs) It's hard to even reclaim your faith Um, It's hard to reclaim scripture, which we talked about last week. It's hard to do these things because a lot of us in this room have become comfortable with putting our faith to the side or seeing God in a certain way. Our cynicism has become our comfort. Um, Our doubts have become our comfort. And now people are like, aren't you Joseph's son? Aren't you the cynical one? Aren't you the one, so as you are trying to, as we are all trying to heal, become healthy, we're going to have to do it together, but it's going to be hard not only to grab onto those things and protect those things that are growing in us, but to also be a community that's okay with saying like, yeah, get up, go to the gym. Yes, I believe you. Yes, I I don't want to be the people in the synagogue. I want to be the people in Capernaum who are like, yeah, okay, let's do it then, right? Show me. You want to do this? Show me. Great. You want to do this? Great. It's going to cost something from me. It's going to cost something from you. This is how we grow, right? If we're going to do it, uh, let it be together. Um, I feel like I can't not mention this as I'm, like, as I'm talking about protecting these things um, that are growing and changing and evolving in you. I have a friend here who's a literal angel um, who has two babies here who are also angels. Um, But my friend um, got pregnant and then found out it was with two babies. And then found out for those babies to grow and have a chance. How long were you in the hospital? Three months. She had to be on bed rest. Like not the kind where it's like, hey, most of the day, just try to lay down. But like, you're not going to stand up for three months If you want these babies to have a chance, or something growing in you, it's going to cost you a lot. Um, It's going to cost you greatly. Um, And when you are, while you're doing that, you need people in your life who are going to be like, oh, girl, you can't come to dinner tonight. (laughs) You're still laying down, you know? You need people who are going to say, like, (laughs) who are going to say, who are going to show up at the hospital bed and be like, I believe in you. These babies are gonna be here. These babies are gonna be glorious. This change that is happening in you is worth it. I know this is painful. I know this is hard. I know our friendship is changing, right? I'm coming to see you. You're not coming to see me anymore. We're not going out. We're just going to this room, but I believe in what is growing in you. And so I'm going to sacrifice. I'm gonna meet you in the sacrifice because I feel, I believe that this is the best thing for the world, for these babies to have a chance. And now they're sitting right here and that's so beautiful, right? And that is the narrative of Jesus is saying, there is something and it's going to cost me, it's going to cost you, but you have to believe in the counter narrative enough to meet me there and not be in the synagogue just trying to discredit and discount or aren't you Joseph's son or we just saw you here, or, didn't you come from here? Or wasn't there family drama? i what you you, no, you have to say, okay, show me, great. I'll meet you, I'll follow you, I'll follow you to Capernaum, I'll watch the miracle, I'll sacrifice, I'll take care of the poor, I'll give my second shirt to someone, I'll help the prisoners right? It's gonna cost. It cost Jesus. It will cost us, but it's worth it, and you have to believe that it's worth it to be a community that supports each other in the change. There's something growing in all of us, and most of us know what it is, right? We know those things. uh, If I let this evolution happen, I'd be healthier and more whole, but there's so much resistance that I just keep appeasing the people around me who want to keep me in the same place because that's comfortable for them, You know what the change is, right? Jesus knew what it was. We've got to move this thing to a social gospel, and we all have ours. And so the challenge to the community this morning is twofold. Find that thing, identify it, and begin to protect it at all costs. And the second is be Capernaum, don't be the synagogue. When someone says that, don't worry. My, my first instinct shouldn't be, "How might this affect me? Will this cost me? What if you change? Will our relationship change? Will our friendship change? Will our dynamics change?" No. Let our response be like, "Okay, we're healing. We're growing. We're evolving. It's going to cost. I want to see it. Show me. Because I believe in it. I believe in that counter narrative, and it's beautiful. So, if we're going to heal, let it be together. We are going to get back in our groups." I'm going to talk about this question. There's one area of your life where you want or need to protect the counter narrative about yourself? there's one thing that you have uh, this good news, this counter narrative, this, this growth and healing and evolution that wants to happen um, that you need to or want to protect in your life? So we're going to take 30 seconds to be silent, to be still. And I want to say out loud, which I feel like I say every time, that question doesn't make sense just talk about whatever your reaction is to to our time together this morning and uh, this is just a guide if you want it so we're gonna take 30 seconds we're gonna close our eyes we're just gonna breathe for a minute